Hi, I'm Will Wheaton from the TV Crimes Podcast, Radio Free Burrito, and some TV shows, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. movie or uh, the first theatrical thing was a, a short called uh, The Prince and the Popper and I, I saw it. that with a live audience that was that kind of hey you know this is cool this I'm, I'm actually watching an audience enjoy my work on the on the screen that was a real head trip right there that was like wow you know this people are liking this this is there are a lot of fans out there here are your hosts Jamie Green and Justin Connors Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. I'm Justin Connors, and I'm here with Jamie Green. Hey, howdy, hey. I said your name for you this week, buddy. Thanks. I appreciate that. (laughs) And um, we're coming off a great week last week, but before we get into talking about what's going on this week, I'm just going to throw out our our information. If you want to get in contact with us about our show or talk to us, we are at at the GBB Podcast on Twitter and Facebook, both. So this week, we are talking to... we're going back to our roots a little bit. We're talking to our a Disney. We're going back to our Disney roots. <laughs> so all you Disney people that might not like the other interviews, now you like them. But you're going to be very happy this week about who we have. Uh, yeah, this um, we've got Goofy on the show, Justin. <laughs> goofy himself. We're getting a little Goofy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Bill Farmer is on the show today, uh, who is best known as the voice of Goofy, the current voice of Goofy. He's been doing it for, oh, geez, 20 years at least now. Um, he is also uh, the voice of Pluto. He is the voice of uh, Horace Horsecollar. And on the Disney Junior show, The 7D, he is the voice of Doc. Um, there's really not much I need to say beyond he's the voice of Goofy. Um <laughs> Yeah, if you like Goofy, you're gonna like Bill Farmer, and it's a, it's a, we had a really, really fascinating conversation. It's gonna be a great conversation. He talks a little bit about how his career got started and just you know different aspects of what he does, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. So here you go, Bill. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk with us today. This is oh, it's absolute, my pleasure. A, oh, it's our absolute pleasure. Um, and I guess to start off, we're going to kind of more or less go back to the beginning. And I know mm-hmm. that you were taught um, formally, I believe, by Dawes Butler. Um, and I'm just wondering how you originally got hooked up with him. Well, it was kind of uh, interesting. It was uh, shortly after I moved to Los Angeles back in the summer of 1986. And a friend of mine who was an actor that I'd met out here said, hey, you know, you're getting a voiceover. You ought to take classes from Dawes Butler. And I'm saying, the Dawes Butler? <laughs> Who is iconic for those who don't know? Did 
all of the Hanna-Barbera characters, Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, Snagglepuss, uh, Quick Draw McGraw, Captain Crunch, you know, hundred, Elroy Jetson and the Jetsons. It just, it was a just on, marvelous on. voice talent. And I called him up and here's this little guy, kind of almost sounded like Captain Crunch, his regular voice. Say, oh, well, Bill, come on over to the house. And uh, on Wednesday nights, we always have a kind of a reading in a little class. And it was $10 for the whole evening with him and if wow. he didn't have ten dollars he said oh, don't worry about it you know and we'd go over to his house in beverly hills and he had a little studio out back where we'd sit around a table and, and do readings of you know a st short stories and comedy pieces that he had written uh commercial copy uh cartoon scripts anything and everything to kind of learn the uh, art of voiceover Ten dollars for an hour with Don yeah, Dolly. That's yeah. got to be the oh, best. Oh, it's more than an hour. That's more like a whole evening, like three <laughs> hours. Sometimes it would go. It, it just he didn't care. It just he just had fun doing this, and he was such a great mentor and a great uh, teacher. And I learned an awful lot from him. That has to to this day still be the best bargain, the best deal in show business. It it, it definitely <laughs> was. <laughs> so um, I'm sure you got a lot of advice. From him and i'm just wondering um number one what was the most important bit of advice that you got from him and number two is that do you still use that advice to give to young actors today uh the answer to number two is definitely i still give that advice and the advice was that you are not someone that is doing silly voices you are doing a character that happens to have a silly voice perhaps but it's all acting. It is, you are not, a voice actor, the emphasis is on the actor, not on the voice. The voice follows the acting without the emotional life of the character and without that character, you know, just kind of living. The voice sounds, and the read sounds wooden. It sounds red. It sounds put on and it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I think that's a misconception, not only among people, you know, among fans or people watching the films and shows, but even among young um, actors starting out, it's that they, they think that they're just there for a silly voice. Right, right. And they're, it's like giving a guy a guitar. It doesn't make him a guitarist. Right. He might have a great instrument, and I'll get all these people who have these great voices and say, my friends say that I should be a voice actor uh well <laughs> learn acting first that's the important part so is that the advice is that uh the advice you would give to a voice actor just starting out or do you have any other tips that you might want to provide them oh there's a lot of tips and i teach all the time uh okay. private lessons i kind of learn from teaching i'll say something that actually is good and i'll say hey you know i i should do that you know so by <laughs> articulating what you're doing you kind of learn more about the craft uh there's a lot of t uh, uh of tips it's uh getting into the character learning how to immerse yourself in the character so that you aren't worried about nerves and performing in front of people you just don't give your mind the room to even go there concentrate fully on the uh, the acting and where this character lives and what's the situation that he's in and you don't have room to get nervous or at least much less nervous than you otherwise would be uh, that seems to be a big problem is nervousness uh, worrying about the voice and not worrying about the character are the two biggest things that uh, uh, people have a problem with would you still recommend uh you know, voiceover work or voice acting to, to somebody just starting out? Or would you, you know, say, hey, oh. maybe you should look somewhere else? 
you know, I think everyone should probably look <laughs> somewhere else first. And if the passion for doing voiceover overcomes that, you're in the right profession. Yeah. Uh, in other words, they always say, don't give up the day job. I always tell students, get rich parents because it really helps <laughs> in the beginning. You will need them. Uh, it's a very competitive, very tough business. There's, you know, 150,000 SAG members in Los Angeles alone. Yeah, and on yeah. any given week, there's like 10,000 jobs. So that means there's a heck of a lot of waiters out there <laughs> uh, and people that want to want to do this. So there's no short of people that want to do this. Yeah. Uh, the opportunities are, are kind of slim and far between. But uh, if you have to do it, if it's in your soul, go for it. Because uh, I, I was lucky and, uh, you know, if I hadn't given it a shot, nothing would have happened. That's that's probably good advice for any industry, though, is that just have rich yeah. parents. <laughs> right. Yes, that that always helps. <laughs> Otherwise, there'll be a lot of sleeping on couches. <laughs> right. Right. So your career began with impressions, which you're which are notoriously difficult to do well. Uh, yeah. When when did you first know that you had a gift for them? Oh, I was. Probably, uh, probably about 12, uh, 12, 13 years old. Uh, uh, I think the first voice I did was Don Adams, I'll get smart. And I would, you know, watch the, the television show, get smart. And I just kind of play around with the voice and my friends would say, Hey, that kind of sounds like that guy. And I said, Oh, maybe. Huh. And I would, uh, you know, listen and then kind of try voices. And some of the early ones were uh, a lot of the movie stars. Well, of course, John Wayne and and uh, John Wayne movies were pretty popular there. And well, Gordon, it was uh, Wally Brennan as well, and a lot of character actors. And uh, Mr. Haney on Green Acres was always a fun one. And uh, and, and the comedian, Jack Benny, and George Barksdale. So once I started doing those kind of voices, I, uh, I just kind of picked it up. <laughs> And drove my parents nuts because oh. they didn't know what to think of me. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Did you ever get in trouble for making voices when you were yeah, younger? Well, in school, I would impersonate some of the teachers, you know, with my friends. <laughs> I didn't get, you know, I remember once I was doing a sound effect. I was uh, in an algebra class and our teacher was at the chalkboard in those days. And I, I would go. <laughs> and uh, make a little water drop sound. And he'd look at the ceiling like, uh, and my, you know, it was very popular with the kids, but not with the teachers. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> so you mentioned, um, you mentioned that, that you did, you know, comedy and stand up, and, and your impressions were, were your act. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that you still do that. You still do yeah. routinely perform stand up. Um, and I've heard this from a lot of people um, that, you know, standing live in front of a crowd of people doing comedy, whether it's, you know, telling bits or you know, telling jokes or or doing doing voices you live or die by the quality of your material and i mean you could crash and burn one night and you could you know be a roaring success the next night next night absolutely yeah but yeah. i'm wondering what if is, you can do stand if you can do stand up you can do just about anything just really. about and that's what i've heard but i've also heard that once you start doing it it is so addictive like if if, if that's what in your bones is to be that kind of a performer then like it's kind of like a drug getting up on stage in that spotlight and i'm just wondering what is it about it that is so addictive well i think it's that uh, the that high you get from the audience it's that immediate re uh, response and it's a genuine response uh, a crowd as you say will really let you know really quickly if you suck and they'll let you know if you're really good um, it's not 
There's no falseness there. It's not like going into an audition and, oh, that was wonderful. Thank you. We'll call your agent. You never hear. Um, it's genuine and it, it's immediate. And you learn so much by uh, being on stage in any format, really, because you learn from the audience what's funny, what's not, what delivery is funny, what is better, and how to deliver a line, which comes in really handy when you're doing a comedy script on a cartoon series or anything like that. Yeah. Um, do you find, when you, when you do stand-up now, do you find that you have, like, an unfair advantage because people know who you are and they're like, oh, well, that, that, that's goofy. He's not going to be bad. So, we, you know, we're going we're gonna to applaud and laugh at everything. Well, I haven't done comedy clubs like the, uh, you know, the improv style uh, of clubs in many, many years. I do mostly like corporate things or at Disney events or on cruise ships or performances at uh, Comic Cons, yeah. those kind of things where I incorporate, but it's not a strict stand up routine type of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's much easier because generally the crowds do know who I am and it probably is an unfair advantage. It's tough when you're not known or that the audience doesn't come specifically to hear you. That's kind of a built-in, you know, uh, audience and uh, uh, it, that's a lot easier than it is going out on a, you know, Friday night with a bunch of drunks oh, at yeah. the Chuckle Hut in Boise or something. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing that? <laughs> doing which? Go to the Chuckle Hut in Boise? Just like oh, just yeah. randomly they, showing they, up they, to they like open to mic night. No, it, it, now I'm so out of practice of that style of comedy, it, it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> so you mentioned that your parents didn't quite know what to do with you doing the yeah. voices. Um, how were they, how did they react when you told them you wanted to go into uh acting career as a voiceover artist? Well, unfortunately. Fortunately, I lost my dad when I was 19, so he never got to see any of this, and he probably was worried, what this, what's this weird kid going to do for a living? <laughs> uh, my degree was in broadcast journalism, so I kicked around in radio for a number of years before landing in Dallas and on a just kind of a whim going to a comedy club there back in 1982. And uh, they had an open mic night where anyone could get up and do five minutes. And I said, I'm going to give that shot next week. So I signed up and uh, wrote about five minutes worth of material and went up and got a pretty good res response. And the house comic there said, hey, you ought to, uh, you ought to, you ought to continue that. Uh, and even the house comic was uh, Bill Ingvall, who, who's uh, now famous with, uh, you know, uh, blue collar comedy and has gone on to great things. But he was really the first one that said, hey, you ought to give this a shot. You ought to come back every week. And I did. You know, and the first few months are terrifying because you real, really learn what works and what doesn't. But within a year, I was traveling to other comedy clubs throughout the, you know, Texas and um, around the area and uh, learning my craft that way. So, yeah, but my mom, uh, who lived till 2008, yeah, she definitely see, saw all the great stuff with Disney and she was always, you know, she said, I know it's tough, but hey, if you love it, then you got to go with it. And uh, so she was always pretty supportive. Oh, that's great. Um, you mentioned the beginning of your career there. And I, I read that uh, your audition for Goofy, uh, which mm -hmm. was 1987, I believe. Um, Actually, yeah. Actually, uh, December of 86 was the audition. Okay. Uh, first job was January of 87. Okay. But I, I heard that that was your first audition ever. Is that true? No, that okay. is not true. Um, it is my first major, you know, animation 
audition after coming to Hollywood, but I was with an agent back in Dallas for a number of years, and I did certainly a lot of character voices and impersonations, but never for a cartoon series or never uh, definitely anything of that uh, status. So. Yeah. That was the first big, you know, animation audition was was for Goofy in, uh, in December of '86. Uh, but that was, I mean, you were still a young actor. You were yeah. very early in your career, and yeah, it was four months after I moved to L.A. Yeah, and I was so green. I had no idea, you know, um, how important it was. I guess ignorance was bliss. <laughs> you know, yeah, I knew it was important. I thought I Goofy was my favorite Disney character, so I really wanted it, but you can't, you know, you can't pin your hopes on it too much because it's, there's so many people trying out and there's like a thousand people trying out. Yeah. And so I did, you know, I didn't think I had a shot really. So I just kind of did the audition and forgot about it. Mm -hmm. So when you were in the audition itself, did they, did they just get you to read lines or did they make sure you could do this? The signature sounds like I can't do it. So I'm not even going to try like Gorsh <laughs> and uh, yuck and <laughs> Yeah. You know, I do the laugh and all of the yell and everything. Uh, yes, I did do that in the audition, but it wasn't at Disney. It was at my agent. They gave me a cassette of the original voice, Pinto Colvig, to listen to over the weekend. I went into the booth there and just read some lines as close as I could to what I heard on the cassette. And that was basically it. It was like, like a 10-minute audition, and they sent it off. And when you get a job like that, it's not like, you are now the voice of Goofy forever and ever. <laughs> it was for one job. Yeah. And I didn't know if there would be more. Uh, I didn't know if that would be it, if they wanted to try someone else. So, you know, uh, it wasn't for another half a year of doing that that I even told my wife to, you know, come on out to L.A. Because I, I was commuting for about a year while, you know, I gave it a shot in Hollywood. And if it didn't work out, I'd go back, back to Dallas. Uh, but luckily it did work out. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a, that's, I mean, that's a remarkable um, story about inspiration. Like it's an inspirational story for, for people starting out or for young, young actors, because, you know, you didn't let the fear of like, well, this is goofy. You know, like there's no way I'm going to get this because that's goofy. He's so classic. You know, like you were probably intimidated and a little bit nervous, but not to the point where you wouldn't even try. And I think that's what a, right. where a lot of people get hung up is like, well, there's just no way. So why am I even going to try? Yeah. But, uh, well, if you don't try, you're guaranteeing you won't get it. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it was just an audition and I wasn't too worried about doing the audition. I wanted to do the best I could, but uh, the terror came in at my first session because then I had to perform. And the first job I did was uh, uh, was looping to a piece of footage of an old Goofy cartoon, and I'd never done that before. So I was so green, I was doing a new technique that I hadn't done before in front of all these people that, <laughs> you know... It it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty tense that first one, but uh, we got through it and 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 onward and upward, I guess. So you meant you say like you know you started off and it was just for that one job, you know it's okay. We need you to be come in and do goofy for this, and you're, okay. But like, at what point did you realize that like okay, I am now the voice of Goofy? Like, was there a point where they said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna sign you on, you're gonna be for the foreseeable future, or did it just kind of keep happening one job at a time? It still does. I'm not really? a Disney employee. Uh, I never have been. Every job is a new contract. I'm like a plumber, you know. <laughs> I, you know, they got a job. I come out. I fix it. 
I go home and they pay me. So I get a new contract with every job I do. Huh. And now it's been well over 3,500 jobs with them. Um, and so I feel pretty secure now that, yeah, it's probably going to be a long running thing. Uh, but no, there's no real sense of it. You know, if uh, you're as good as your last job, you just kind of do the best you can and not worry about it. Yeah. That's amazing um, to me. <laughs> it, it is amazing. I mean, I, I guess I kind of knew that, you know, voices, um, that the actors who come in and do voices are not employees, but it's, it's still hard to imagine, you know, like the voice of the, especially of the, the classic characters like Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, that they're <laughs> not sort of on retainer officially. Like we're not going to hire anybody else. It's just you. But it's it's just- kind of an under, there's no reason for them to do that. Uh, and Disney, unlike a lot of the other studios, are, you know, very committed to consistency. They know that, you know, if you change out the actor, no matter how close a voice match, there's going to be different things and mm-hmm. people can tell. And Roy Disney was really, you know, uh, insistent upon, and Michael Eisner, when I, I got the audition, um, were insistent on always having the same voice so that there was consistency. That these It makes the p- uh, characters more real, too, if they always oh, have sure. the same personality and the same, re- uh, the same, you know, voice. I mean, we give these characters kind of life, and so if you change the actor, it's going to change the character. No, sure. No and it's something that I know... They it carries over. I mean, I don't know the corporate culture, you know, and, but um, even today with like their Marvel properties and the Star Wars properties, mm-hmm. they have the same actors doing the same characters across different series and different media. So mm-hmm. absolutely, um, absolutely, it's, it's something that they really value. Which is, as a fan, it's really nice that you know you're watching one show or you're playing a video game and it's the same sound. So it makes it feel like a lived-in world. Right, right, and you're familiar with that voice you're familiar with that personality yeah. and it's it, you sense it's familiar you, you want to see that again i mean if they you know used a different actor in the you know second movie of star wars you know they didn't use mark hamill they got someone else yeah. that would yeah, would that work no no yeah. and there's a reason for that people like these characters they come to love these characters and they want that character not a substitute yeah and it goes back to what you were saying earlier you're not just a voice you're the actor Right, right. You're the personality, the soul of the character, as, exactly. besides just trying to match the voice as close as you can. Exactly. Um, so a character like Goofy, though, is something that I think a lot of actors would envision sort of toward the middle or even the end of their career. Like that's something that they work toward and they earn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying you didn't earn it, but like, did you feel <laughs> like you were you were cheating somehow or that you would unfairly, unfairly skipped a, like a few rungs of that ladder that you just kind of jumped right into it? No, because you have to remember that I had done 12 years of stand-up, radio, little $50 a night, uh, (laughs) you know, comedy gigs in in some bar throughout the South. And, and yeah, I I definitely feel like I I earned my way. All those were, looking back on it, just stepping stones, getting me ready for that opportunity when that opportunity presented itself. The fact that it presented itself very early on my career out here Mm -hmm. is, uh, was great. And, you know, that's very rare as I found out later, but I guess, you know, the 12 years, yeah, that was a pretty good, good run of getting ready for it. So I don't feel like cheated too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because you often hear the term overnight success and I've heard it again and again that people Mm -hmm. say, people who know, or people who are in the business say there is no such thing. 
If you think of somebody as an overnight success, it's just because you have not been following them. But anybody who appears out of quote unquote nowhere has already put in the time and put in the miles. Well, it's going a Halloween time and I was reading a little thing on uh, the actor Boris Karloff who played Frankenstein. And that's what propelled him to, you know, uh, to fame. But that was his 84th film. So, (laughs) you know, he was it really? Yeah. 84. Fourth wow. film. I did. I, I was amazed when I heard that. No, overnight success is kind of a myth. Yeah. And uh, a lot of students, you know, they kind of come out here and they, well, I'm going to stay for five weeks and I should have a series by then. Uh, you know, <laughs> give it a little more time. <laughs> it's uh, you're out here. And also a thing that a lot of the students don't realize and if you th- think about it, it's very obvious that you are, it's like joining, you know, getting out of high school and going to the NBA. You're against in auditions, all of the celebrities that want to do voices um, were on a series, The Seven D, and some of the uh, where I, I play one of the Seven Dwarfs, Doc. Uh, but like the Crystal Ball is Jay Leno, the Talking Mirrors, Whoopi Goldberg, and yeah, these big names like to do animation, and they like uh, the the work. It's a lot of fun, and so you're up against them. And it's yeah. just, yeah, it's very competitive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I mean, it, it's funny because a lot of the, you know, the quote unquote legends in the, the voiceover world are still very active, you know, like, I mean, like the, the, the historical legends like Mel Blanc and Walt Disney, I have, you know, obviously are no longer with us. But like a lot of the legends that young actors today see is like, like oh, I remember him from my childhood or I remember her from yeah. growing up. Those people are all still active. They're all still working. And it's. You're, you're you're right. You're you're competing against all those people. Um, we we had Jim Cummings on the show. And oh yeah. We, we yeah. talked to him about how the perception of the voiceover world is that it's a very small community because it seems like the same people keep getting the big roles again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering what your your take on that is. I mean, do you think that it's a small? Co- I mean, you you've said that there are thousands of pe- of people out there looking for work, but in terms of the people who actually get the work, is it a relatively yeah. small community? Uh, Corey Burton once said, uh, who's a great uh, voiceover actor, he said, cream rises to the top, it gets noticed. So if you have that innate talent to do that, it does get noticed eventually if you put yourself out there. And it does seem that the same people uh, tend to get the jobs. And that's for several reasons. First of all, their talent got them there in the first place. But then they get to know the directors. They get to know the uh, producers. And they get in their mind. Uh, so if you have a, oh, we need a we need a, an Aladdin or a genie kind of sounding voice. Oh, Jim Cummings could do that. Give him a call. Yeah, They're on the short list already but they've earned that by being talented and getting in there in the first place so it's kind of like getting over that first hurdle and they always say making the first million is the yeah uh, i'm trying to i hope someday to find that out (laughs) if if the first million is the toughest and then it gets easier same thing with a job the first job i think is the toughest one and that's where i realized i was so lucky and maybe have cheated the system by getting that so early on <laughs> just, but just uh, in the door. um yeah but you know they what do they say opportunity is uh, time plus plus work yeah. you know being ready for that opportunity when it does happen exactly and uh, those yeah as jim jim said that's kind of uh, it is the same people that seem to get uh, hired but they're very very talented people yeah how hard is it then for you know somebody who wants to be a, a voice actor but is working from like a home studio in minneapolis or something 
it's almost impossible if you want to get into animation. Now, in local markets, uh, voiceover not only is animation, which a lot of people, you know, definitely gravitate toward the cartoons, but uh, commercials, promos, announcements, radio, anything is is that uses your voice is animation in different parts of the country. There are uh, outlets for that. And once you get to a certain level, you can live out of the city. Uh, although it's m very advisable on the, uh, when you're getting your career going to be in a big market, such as New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco, where you can work your way in. Um, and there are several people now with technology, it's not too hard to do a session from home um, via, via the home studios and stuff. And a lot of, uh, a lot of guys are doing that too. Yeah. So you've been the voice of Goofy since you know hmm? 1987 across all media, and I, does it ever hit you that you're that you're just like you know what I'm the voice of such an iconic character? Is it like is it must be immensely rewarding to think that? Yeah, if you if you think of it kind of abstractly, you don't get a sense of that when you're doing a job because right. you're in a a booth with a microphone and a and a, and a script. But like when I did a goofy movie or uh, the first theatrical thing was a, a short called uh, The Prince and the Popper. And I, I saw it. that with a live audience. That was that kind of, hey, you know, this is cool. This I'm, I'm actually watching an audience enjoy my work on the, on the screen. That was a real head trip right there. That was like, wow, you know, this people are liking this. This is there are a lot of fans out there. And of course, over the last 28 years. Uh, you know, with uh, social media and everything, I find out uh, how much they love uh, love the character. And and recently at the D23 convention in Anaheim, we had a reunion, a 20-year reunion of the yeah. Goofy movie. And the crowd gave us like a three-minute standing ovation. <laughs> I mean, because we brought had Tevin Campbell, who did the Powerline character. We had, uh, you know, I sang a song with uh, Jason Marsden, who did Max in the movie. He didn't get to sing in the movie. They didn't know he could sing, basically. <laughs> and so they got a singer to do his stuff. Well, he we rectified that problem. We sang a, a song called uh, uh, On the Open Road Live, and we got a standing It was like being one of the Beatles. It was incredible, the, the love that people have for these movies and it's uh just very heartwarming and, and amazing to me yeah i i was i was at d23 this year mm -hmm. and i wanted to go to that panel but i couldn't get in because exactly what you're saying it was so popular and uh, you know you, the goofy movie is beloved but it's not one of those a-list movies that right. people immediately right. think and of it, yeah but because it, it was like uh you know it was a, a smaller budget it was kind of like I think even uh, I don't even know it wasn't under done under Walt Disney Pictures I think it was, it was done Disney under Tune Studios, Disney Tune Studio Disney Tune Studio so it was kind of and they never expected it to be as big as it was right. and people to this day it kind of got a cult status that I all the time hear from people who say you know that song really got me and my dad together and and we listened to that soundtrack on uh, on road trips and it brought us together and many people say there's favorite Disney movie of all time because of the, mm -hmm. the father-son relationship that was in yeah. the movie uh, which was interesting difficult for me because we had to add a lot of layers to Goofy that he hadn't had before mm -hmm. so as an actor you try and add those layers and keep the character real and keep it uh, you know you don't want to change him too much but uh, just add 
add new things to him that he's never done before, which was a fun acting challenge. Oh, I'm sure. Um, was there anything that you wanted to add to his character that they kind of nixed? Um, n- no, in that kind of, oh, you always play around with uh, with different lines and jokes that uh, you might just do on the spur of the moment and some make it in the movie or little ad libs uh-huh. and others, others don't, I uh, can't remember any just offhand, but, uh, get character traits. No, I just wanted to keep him the goof that I grew up with sure. and loved. It's got a, you know, go, quickly getting back to like what, what Justin was saying, like how it's, it's gotta be a head trip to, to be this character that's been so loved for generations. I mean, when, when you step back and take that bigger view, you know, giving voice to to Goofy or any of those classic characters, it's the closest thing to immortality that you probably will be able to get because that voice, that character is going to live on and it's going to yeah. live on, you know, it's going to live on beyond you, beyond me, beyond my kids. And, but it's that voice that, that people are going to associate with, with the character. I mean, beyond, I mean, the look of the character, but it's the voice, which is really what brings him to life. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, most people in their career don't get to achieve immortality. <laughs> um, so it's, I mean, that that right there has got to make everything, all the hard work worth it. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't be happier with the way things turned out. Uh, as uh, Wayne Allwine, who was the voice of Mickey Mouse when I started and until he passed away in 2009, I think said it best. And, of course, you know, Mickey was the first animated character with a voice. It was yeah. uh, Walt. And he said, you know, we're just carrying the torch for a while. But, uh, you know, and that's true. We are. But, you know, we put our spin on it. We put our little stamp on it. And those movies will be around a lot longer than I will. And it is kind of a. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a neat legacy. It's it's one I'm certainly happy, you know, if I can bring smile to people across the country that might have a, you know, crummy day or something like that and they see something and I'm in and it brightens their day, it's definitely all worth it. For sure. You mentioned, you know, bring smiles to people across the country. I mean, these these are international characters. Have you ever heard the, your voice um in another language? Oh, many, many times. I've yeah. actually <laughs> had to do it in other languages. Really? <laughs> wow. uh, um See, uh, there's a, a group called Disney Character Voices. It's a part of Disney that their job is to take, uh, you know, a new movie. Let's say they do Frozen or something. they got to find all those characters mm-hmm. in about 40-some different languages for markets around the world. And they got to find people that can sing and sound like these characters. So, yes, there are – I've actually had lunch with the Chinese and the Norwegian Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be and, wild. <laughs> it is. It's Goliji of you. You know, it's like, oh, my. Oh, you know, it's very odd. And a game that we do, uh, Kingdom Hearts, the series of games yeah. there, were produced originally in Japan. So I'm hearing the Japanese goofy in my headphones. And it's like, oh, you know, and I'm supposed to, oh, come on, you know. And I'm putting in the English words over the Japanese actor who studied the way that I do the laugh and that I do the voice to learn how to do it in the first place. So it's kind of a weird back and forth, kind of trippy kind of thing. So what, what languages have you done? What lang- languages do you speak? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, when I first started, I, I've done little bits, just say hello, like on parades in oh, Japanese, okay. in Mandarin, Portuguese, Spanish, uh, German. I actually had to loop six cartoons once into German. Oh. And I don't speak <laughs> German at all. <laughs> Couldn't find anybody in Germany that could do Goofy. 
And they said, well, we'll get you a teacher. We'll get you a professor of uh, German here from USC. And they got this woman who, um, I don't think she'd ever seen a cartoon in her life. Because she was like, hey, it's goofy. He is falling out of the airplane. He is not killed. <laughs> don't worry about it. So phonetically, I had to do six cartoons, two picture um, in lines, you know, and, and in German. And I asked about a couple of months later, I said, uh, uh, well, whatever happened to that German thing we did? Well, it was good, but you had an Austrian accent. <laughs> and they didn't check that the woman was from Austria, so her German was different than what they wanted. So they finally found some guy in uh, in Germany that could do a passable goofy, and I was off the hook for that. It was tough. That's hilarious. That, that's funny that they would just have you come in and just do it phonetically. Yeah, it was oh, it was just word at a time, and oh, it was uh, painstaking. Yeah. Luckily, they found someone that could do it a lot better in that language. Um, so I know throughout your career, you've done um, you're most famous for a lot of established characters that were established before you you assumed the role. So you know, you Goofy, you're also Pluto, you're Horace Horse Collar. You you mentioned earlier your Doc on the Seven D. And those are all voices that were already there when you came yes. to them. But do you ever wish that you'd had more opportunities to come up with new characters and just sort of experiment and come up with a with a with a cool voice yeah. to match a new character? And and I do quite often uh, on the Seven D, for example. There's always incidental characters, right. and they will just assign those. They say you're the the bear, you know, like there was one Goldilocks and the three bears, and they mm -hmm. needed kind of a snooty-sounding bear. So I was kind of doing Jack, you know, uh, Jim Backus. And so I figured he sounded a little bit uppity, and and it was, you know, like that. Or uh, you're a townsperson, like, Whoa, it's a dragon, it is! And so you just <laughs> do little characters, un uncredited characters, but, yeah, there's a lot of them out there. And also background uh Looping groups. I, I've been in many looping groups, so my voice is sprinkled throughout a lot of movies like Beauty and the Beast and Tarzan and Pocahontas and Toy Story and Toy Story 2 and Monsters, Inc., Monsters University, Shrek, and, you know, a lot of a lot of movies out there. You are uh, the crowd. <laughs> yes, I, I am the crowd. Occasionally, you know, there'll be a, a standout line that I can recognize my own voice. Um, when I saw Shrek 2, uh, my son was with me. And uh, I, there was a, a scene where they were having a ball at the castle toward the end of the picture. And I did an announcement and they said, Bill, do this announcement. And it was like, I said something like, look, hey, let me see. Um, introducing Princess, would you please introduce Princess Fiona and Prince Shrek? And my son said, hey, that's you, Dad. And <laughs> they, yeah, I guess it is. I forgot. So <laughs> Sometimes you never know. You never know you when never your own voice is going to pop up in front of you. Right. <laughs> Justin, um, did you want to? Yeah, um, we had. Did you want to ask the last question? We can edit this. Did you, did you want to ask the last question? Do you want to see if. Sure, okay, sure. Go okay. for it. So, having a career in voiceover, um, because people don't automatically know what you look like, affords you mm -hmm. with a certain degree of anonymity, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but when you become a legend and you are, a, you know, capital D, capital L, Disney legend, you got the award. Um, do you ever get tired of the attention that invariably comes when people realize who you are? No, I, I'm just happy that people still care. Yeah. Now it's nice. And as Dawes Butler told me a long time ago, he said that voiceover was the best type of celebrity because you can turn it on and off. 
and you're not like you know Tom Cruise trying to go to the grocery store and paparazzi and all that stuff. No, no one cares. Uh, you know, they don't know who I am, and that's great. But if I am at Disneyland, and I'll do this occasionally, if some guy's in line and we're going to Pirates or something like that, and kids, you know, dad's holding the kid, sometimes I'll just kind of go, oh, gorge, and <laughs> not not let the sit kid see me. I mean, he starts looking around, I heard Goofy, shut up, go to sleep. <laughs> so, it's so funny, it can be right next to them, and they have no idea. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of cool. And I, I definitely like the, <laughs> you know, the incognito aspect of it. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, that is that is interesting. You turn it on, you turn it off. Because if you just talk normal, people don't realize who you are, even if you're even if you're among people who know who you are, you know, know you by the voice or the name. They may not yeah. know what you look like. So we have a little a little uh, game put together. It's just a few names long. We're wondering if you wanted to try it. It's an impression challenge of different people. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll be glad to. We're just dropping this one on you. Unexpected. <laughs> oh, okay. If, 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 if you I don't, mean, most of the voices I do well are dead now. So because I started in the seventies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, well, if 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 you can't do it, don't worry. We can edit yeah, it. Whatever. Just pass. <laughs> All right. So the first one, Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle the moose. That week, exciting. <laughs> Perfect. Elmer Fudd. Be, let's see. Ooh, be very, very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Wesley Webbit. There, there, I'm getting into it. There you go. <laughs> uh, Yoda. Mmm, it's a wonderful show it is. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, do you want to do a few? Um, yeah, let's go to somebody real. We'll, we'll give you an easy one. Jack Nicholson. Of course, Jack Nicholson here on the show today. What we're going to do, we need two pieces of toast. There you go. <laughs> De Niro. Oh, let's see. Uh, Robert De Niro. I, 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 I'm trying to remember a, a good line of his, you know. You talking to me? Are you talking to me? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Nice. <laughs> Justin? Last, uh, last couple? Okay, we'll do two more. Uh, Barack Obama. Can you do him? Barack Obama? I'm... You can still keep your doctor. You can... <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of presidents. I haven't really done Barack on I used to do a lot of them. Like, like Clinton is one of my fun ones. I used to do, Bill. That was a lot of things. You know, he's a lot of fun. You know, I hope the wife gets in there and I'll be back. <laughs> doing, doing the presidents... It's fun. You don't even have to talk a lot of times. You can do Reagan just with sounds. It's like, well, um, oh, um, um, well, um, oh, uh, oh. That's all you got to do. <laughs> I'm in awe right now. I'm in awe. Okay. It's amazing. Yeah. So who, who okay. Walt Finish Disney. it out. Walt Disney. Can you do that one? Walt, uh, he, I should be able to do him because he was from Missouri and well, uh, he kind of had a uh, Midwestern kind of a very soft-spoken uh, way of speaking, and uh, and uh, but it is funny. Roy Disney, his uh, nephew, looked so much like him. It was like talking to Walt when you talk with him, and he was a very soft-spoken guy as well. Hmm. <laughs> and finally, we were we were curious. We were throwing this around with each other, and we said, "I wonder if he's able to do another one of the five. And we put Mickey Mouse on the list. Gosh, oh boy, wow, nice to see you. 
you hang around with them for 25 years, 28 years, you that, pick up a little bit. That is exactly what I said. That's I perfect. said, you know what? I'm sure he could do all of them at this well, point. You well, did Donald's them tough. Donald is tough. You know, I can, I can like do it. That's about all I can do. <laughs> that's got to, that's got to wreck your throat doing that. No, that you don't even use your vocal cords. You do it like through the cheek, you know, and it's like uh, letting the air escape around your teeth and, and, you know, you know, it's kind of like the jowly kind of thing. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute pleasure. And my pleasure. You guys are great. And before we go, did you have any social media you wanted to throw out there so people could find you? Yeah. No. Yeah, if people ever want to get in touch with me and find out about classes, which I do via Skype and uh, and uh, in the studio here, if you live in the Los Angeles area, just contact me. Probably Twitter's the best, at Goofy Bill, and uh, check out, and I put a lot of stuff on there, or, or just on Facebook, Bill Farmer, or go to BillFarmer.com, and uh, I have some stuff stuff that I, you know, been doing on that. And from time to time, I'll update it. So, <laughs> but they can get in touch with me that way. Perfect. Fantastic. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank Th- you. Thanks a lot, guy. That's it for this week's interview with Bill Farmer, a.k.a. Goofy. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, AKA Pluto. Do That's not- does Pluto even have a voice? What does he do? What does he say? Yeah, Bill Farmer does it. Don't 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 ask that. <laughs> he rah rah rah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I yeah, think. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's. He nothing doesn't have more a speaking voice, but he does have a sound. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm sure there's nothing much more to it than what I did. If I yeah, could, you I see, could there you go. In. I could Bill Farmer, watch out! Justin yeah. is on your tail. <laughs> Disney's going to be contacting me for Goofy. No. I <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to do it. And it's amazing to me that these guys, that he's able to make a career out of voicing such an iconic character. I think it's amazing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's gotta be a little bit overwhelming every time you step up to the mic, but uh, right. I mean, it was, it was weird uh, talking with him because you can hear goofy in there and yeah. it's so much of a, it's so much a part of who he is. And, you know, it, the voice, you can tell his goofy voice is obviously it's a voice. It's different from his speaking voice, but it's remarkably not that different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like just goofy's regular speaking voice when he's not being a, you know, an income poop um, <laughs> is, is, I mean, you can hear it in Bull Farmer's speaking voice and it's a little bit weird. Um, it's almost like he was born for it because, you know, Goofy's voice was around, right? And then he kinda- Exactly. <laughs> I, want, I wonder, this would, would have been a good question to ask, of course, now we think about it after the fact, but I wonder how much of his speaking voice, like his normal everyday voice, has changed as right. a result of doing Goofy so much. And it probably has. You I'm sure it has. I played it for Hannah before we aired it. And I said, Hannah, who does this sound like? And she listened to it. She knew right away. She was like, oh, that's goofy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it really does sound a lot like him. Um, now, obviously, he's not going around saying, oh, you know, he's not doing that, those yeah. sounds all the time. But, uh, yeah, you can what hear it he, in there. What if he did? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> like, that was his laugh now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't even do it. I'm not going to pretend. All right, Disney's off the line. They're not calling you anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Next you're out, you're out of the running. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for coming by this week. Make sure to leave iTunes reviews. Maybe send a tweet to Bill Farmer. Let him know you heard him on the show and that you enjoyed it. Um, you can find us, as always, on Twitter, on Facebook, at the GBB Podcast. I'm 140 Justin C on 
Instagram, and Twitter. I am the Roarbots. Uh, same places. <laughs> same places. Not <laughs> not those not those fancy ones. I don't know how to use those. <laughs> like Snapchat and yeah. the stuff that kids are using nowadays. Yeah. I don't know what those are. Those kids kick whatever it's called. I don't know. All right, guys. <laughs> thanks for coming by again. We'll see you next week. Talk to you later. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.